0: So there is a saying out there that has been used and is quite common, uh, both inside and outside the church. Hay un refrán común dentro y fuera de la iglesia, and it's a saying that is often used to describe what is expected of those of us who follow Jesus. Escribe lo que se espera de los que seguimos a Jesús. And that phrase, and I'm sure you've heard it before, is it's the Christian thing to do. It's the Christian thing to do. And often that phrase is preceded by some sort of blanket statement that uses the word always or never somewhere in that statement. A veces antes se dice algo usando la palabra nunca o siempre. For example, uh, followers of Jesus should never complain when they are treated unfairly because it's the Christian thing to do. Or how about this one? Uh, you know, Christians, followers of Jesus, should always follow the rules and obey the law No matter how uh, those laws may be unjust or unfair or or against you, we should always obey to the letter of the law, everything that we're given. Why? Because, you see, it's the Christian thing to do. Debemos seguir las leyes y las reglas al pie de la letra porque es lo que hacemos los cristianos. In fact, not too long ago, uh, you may have heard this in the news, one of the governors of, of one of our states in the United States uh, actually said that churches should never even try to put people at risk by holding religious services during this pandemic. Dijo, dijo un gobernador que las no deben tener servicios nunca para poner a riesgo a las personas durante la pandemia. Why should churches never try to hold services? Well, he said, it's the Christian thing to do. Es lo que hacen los cristianos. So in light of that phrase, we come to our scripture today and, and it would appear in Matthew chapter 5, 38, it might be tempting actually to conclude that the point of what Jesus is teaching here is something like that. Estamos tentados a concluir que eso es lo que está enseñando Jesús aquí. That Jesus is saying something like uh, followers of Jesus uh, should never Insist upon their rights. Los seguidores nunca debemos insistir en los derechos. Followers of Jesus should always be willing to accept defeat. Debemos siempre aceptar la derrota. Followers of Jesus should always avoid unpleasant confrontations. Debemos siempre evitar la confrontación. Followers of Jesus should never be upset. When we are cheated, no debemos estar molestos cuando alguien nos engaña. Why? Porque, after all, it's the Christian thing to do, right? Es lo que hacen los cristianos, ¿verdad? Well, maybe not exactly. Maybe not exactly. You see, I believe that there is a myth, there is a a misconception out there that To be a follower of Jesus, to to show Christ-like humility, means that we are to be basically walking doormats. And we should let others just abuse us and and do what is unjust to us and get away with murder even because, you see, Jesus put up with that and he did the Christian thing and so should we. A esa mala concepción de que los cristianos debemos ser como felpudos, como decimos en inglés, que la gente nos atropelle porque así fue Jesús. Well, I want to take a little closer look with you uh, at this today because, you see, Jesus actually begins here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. He begins by talking about not the Christian thing to do. He starts by talking about the Jewish thing to do. Jesús habla de lo que es lo judío. Here in verse 38, he says, You've heard that it was said, Eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. Han oído que se dijo, ojo por ojo, diente por diente. He's quoting there from the Old Testament, from the scriptures. It's mentioned at least three times in the Old Testament. It's the Antiguo Testamento. And this is better known as the lex talionis, or the law of retaliation. Se trata de la ley de la represalia. And the idea of the lex talionis, or law of retaliation, is, is that there is a limit to the payback we should give for the harm that we've received. Hay un límite de lo que damos cuando recibimos el mal. So the natural thing to do, the sinful thing to do, you could say, is when someone hurts us, we pay them back and more. I'm going to hit you harder than you hit me. Lo natural es que queremos pagar aún más mal por el mal que hemos recibido. But the Jewish thing to do is to pay back exactly what's received. Lo judío es pagar exactamente lo que se ha recibido. You hit me and hurt my eye. I'm going to hurt your eye. You took my tooth. I'm going to get your tooth. But here Jesus is saying something revolutionary. Jesús dice algo, algo diferente. He's saying here that when we are hurt, when we uh, suffer abuse or injustice, we need to give more, not more evil more good than we have received. Debemos recompensar no el mal sino con el bien. And so he gives us some examples here. He says, you know, if, if uh, someone strikes you on the cheek, then what you need to do is expose the other one. Don't hit back. Don't give evil. Si alguien te pega la mejilla, te da una bofetada, vuelvele la otra. Somebody goes to court, wants to take your coat away from you, then give them the matching shirt as well. Si alguien te, te, te quiere quitar la túnica, que le des también la camisa. If a Roman soldier obligates you to walk a mile and kind of puts a gun to your head or a sword to your throat or whatever that is, go two miles, not just one. Si un soldado romano te obliga a andar un kilómetro con él, ve dos kilómetros. The whole principle really is summarized in verse 39 where where Jesus says this, do not resist an evil person. No resistan al que les haga mal. Now, what is he talking about there? I think we need to, to understand, this is key to understanding this text because I think our first reaction is to say, don't resist. Oh, just let people walk all over us. Just let somebody do what they're going to do. That's not exactly what Jesus is saying. No está diciendo que las personas nos puedan hacer lo que quieran, lo que se les antojen. No. What he's saying is, don't fight nasty, mean, abusive, terrible persons in the same way that they fight you. No combaten con las personas malvadas, abusivas, de la forma que te atacan a ti. Give more. More respect, more money, more work than they deserve. Denles más respeto, dinero, trabajo que merecen. And, he says, in effect, give more love. Den más amor. That brings us to verse 43, where he says, again, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. que se dijo, ama tu prójimo, odia tu enemigo. That's an interesting phrase, because... Uh, the first part of that phrase, love your neighbor, that again is from the Bible. It's from Leviticus 19 in the Old Testament. tu es del Levítico del Antiguo Testamento. And the second part is not. The second part, hate your enemy, was added to the biblical teaching, and it reflected the Jewish view uh, of things of that day. Eso refleja, odia tu enemigo, refleja una perspectiva judía. Because you see, uh, the, the Jewish people, the idea was you distinguish, you have categories of different kinds of people. First of all, there are your neighbors, literally those who are nearby you. Those are your fellow Jews. You're to love them, hay los prójimos, los que son próximos a uno, los judíos. You can be good to them. The other category are those who are far away. Gentiles, non-Jews, and assorted sinners of all kinds who are against the Jewish faith, they are far from you. They are your enemies. You do not have to love them. Los que están lejos, los gentiles, otros pecadores, están fuera. No tienes que amarlos. So what do you do? You love the people that are like you. You reject the people that aren't like you. Amas a los que son como tú y rechazas a los que no son como tú. That's how you do that. But Jesus here in chapter 544 basically says what we need to do. The Christian thing to do is to eliminate the category of enemy from our view. I que eliminar la categoría de enemigo. Jesus says, I say to you, in other words, this is what I'm telling you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. por quienes los persiguen. In other words, eliminate the category of enemy and do for those who are far from you what you would do for someone nearby. You pray for your neighbors and friends. Pray for your enemies. Oren por sus vecinos y por sus amigos. Oren por sus enemigos. You care for them. You love your neighbors and friends. Love those who are far from you as well. Now, here's the thing. Why do that? ¿Por qué hacer esto? Because that's what God, your heavenly Father, does. Eso es lo que Dios hace. Look at me at verse 45. He says, here's the thing. God does this, and, and if you're going to be children of God, you need to do the same. Si van a ser hijos de Dios, tienen que hacer lo mismo. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Verse forty-five says he causes the sun, his son, to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Para que sean hijos de su padre que está en el cielo, él hace que salga el sol sobre malos y buenos, y que llueva sobre justos e injustos. God, your heavenly Father, provides equal care. He provides equal provision and love and concern. For the wicked and the good. He sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun comes up every day on those who love God and those who do not love God. sale los que no aman a Dios y los que aman a Dios. It's called common grace. Es la gracia común. And God does not separate that out. He puts that on all. And so if you're going to be like your heavenly father, you need to be willing and able to dispense your care and provision in somehow the same way. Why? The bottom line, the bottom line of this is verses 46 and 47. Versículos 46, 47. If you love those only who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors, those sinners out there, doing the same? Si ustedes aman a quienes los aman, ¿qué recompensa recibirán? ¿Acaso no hacen eso hasta los recaudadores impuestos, los pecadores? And if you only greet and are nice to those who are your brothers, I mean, what different are you doing? What are you doing that's different from the others? Si solo saludas a sus hermanos, ¿qué más hacen ustedes? Don't even, pagans? Gentiles out there, don't they even do the same thing? Hace los paganos? no hacen lo mismo. So let's try to understand what we're talking about here. Jesus is not saying that we should just become doormats. Jesús no dice que debamos ser como felpudos, that people should walk all over us. And he's not saying that we should not Fight evil, that we should just let it happen to us. No dice que no debamos combatir el mal. What he's saying is this. You need to fight evil in a different way. Fight evil in such a way that you do not perpetuate evil, but rather you disarm evil. Combaten el mal para no perpetuarlo, sino para desarmarlo. You need to do what no one else is doing. Don't retaliate like everybody else is. No hagan represalias como los demás. And don't just do good to those who are good to you like everybody else does. You won't stick out in any way if you do that. Si solo hacen bien a los que hacen bien a uno, pues no van a destacarse. You need to do what no one else is doing. You need to be good in a surprising way. Hay que ser bueno de forma sorprendente. In a way that disarms the evil coming at you. And in the process, you're going to show the powerful reality of your Father in Heaven. Si hacen el bien de forma que nadie más hace van a mostrar la realidad de su Padre Celestial. And that's why Jesus then, in verse 48, says, be perfect be complete be uniquely surprisingly disarmingly different as your heavenly father is unique and different que sean diferentes que sean completos perfectos distintos sorprendentemente desarmadores como su padre celestial so now here's the question jesus talks about this But did he do it? Did Jesus actually practice what he preached? ¿Es que Jesús practicaba lo que predicaba? Well, I want to look at a couple of scriptures that I think will point to us the fact that he did. If you want to turn to John chapter 18, Juan capítulo 18, there we find a scene that occurs the night that Jesus is arrested. He's arrested, he's brought into the Jewish council for trial. Está ante el concilio judío Jesús después de haber estado arrestado and they're asking him questions. They're interrogating him. They, they want to know about his teaching. They're questioning him. Tell us about your teaching. Le están interrogando acerca de su enseñanza. And, and Jesus basically says, you know, why ask me? I don't have any secrets here. You can ask anybody that I've taught. They will tell you what I've said. Uh, I'm not hiding anything. No tengo secretos. ¿Por qué me interrogan a mí? Interrogan a los que, que han escuchado mi enseñanza. And at that, chapter 18, verse 22, it says, when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face, hit him on the cheek. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. Apenas dijo eso, uno de los guardias que estaba allí cerca le dio una bofetada en la mejilla, le dijo, ¿así contestas al sumo sacerdote? Now look what Jesus does here. Jesus doesn't hit him back. So he doesn't retaliate, no le da una bofetada a Jesús, al al hombre. But he doesn't go cowering in a corner. He doesn't just say, keep hitting me, I'd like another one. He doesn't do that either. Él no, no se pone débil, no se retira. What does he do? He speaks to the man and he says, if I've said something wrong, testify to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why do you strike me? Dice, si si algo que he dicho no es correcto, pues muéstrame, demuéstramelo. Pero si lo que he dicho es correcto, ¿por qué me pegas? In other words, Jesus says here something interesting. He's saying, if you've hit me for telling the truth, guess what? You're the one on trial now. You're the one guilty before God. You have to answer some questions. Si me has pegado por haber dicho la verdad, usted es culpable y ante el tribunal de Dios. Jesus fights back evil by shining good in this man's face. He shines the light of truth. Jesús pelea el mal con el bien, la luz del bien. And when you think about it, it's the most loving response that Jesus could have given to a man who treated him so badly. Es la respuesta más llena de amor. Just prior to this, we see another example in Matthew chapter 26, Mateo 26, and, and here we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's arrested. Jesús es arrestado en el huerto de Gethsemane. And as they're arresting him in verse 53, versículo 53, he speaks to the, the, the crowd they're arresting him. He says, do you think I cannot call on my Father and he will at once put at my disposal 12 legions of angels? ¿Crees que no puedo acudir a mi Padre y al instante pondría a mi disposición más de batallones de ángeles? Don't you think that in this moment I can call upon my Father and he will have instantly thirty-six to 72,000 angels right here in this spot to rescue me? Yo podría llamar a mi padre él enviaría 36 a 72 000, miles de ángeles para rescatarme. Jesus had the right to do that. Jesús tenía el derecho de hacer eso. You see, there's a misconception that when Jesus went to the cross, he gave up all his rights. He didn't give them up. Jesús no rindió sus derechos al ir a la cruz. What he did was he set them aside for a while he put them aside los apartó un rato it was a temporary thing how do we know that because the scriptures tell us that Jesus is going to return someday and He's going to come with legions of angels and He is going to judge evil for what it is and sin for what it is and those who have chosen to ally with it. He is going to, He did not give up that right. He is going to pick that up at the end of time and come back and He's going to make things right. Jesús va a llegar algún día con 12 batallones de ángeles para buscar el pecado y buscar el mal del mundo. He didn't give up his rights, but he set it aside. And he went to the cross. Y él fue a la cruz. And here's what we see on the cross. By Jesus going and dying upon the cross, he demonstrates the disarming justice and the surprising love of God. Jesús demuestra en la cruz la justicia desarmadora y el amor sorprendente. De Dios his death is disarming justice because he takes the just punishment for sin upon himself el sufre las consecuencias justas el pecado. he suffers the 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 just consequences of sin and he pays it in full el paga en, en todo el pecado. not only that Jesus does it in a way that does not perpetuate evil, but puts it to a stop. Lo hace de forma que no perpetua el mal. Lo, lo, lo para. In other words, the Bible says in, in Colossians 2.15 that on the cross, Jesus by his death disarmed Evil. He disarmed the principalities and powers. Colossians 2.15 Jesús desarmó los principados y los poderes, dice He defeated evil by taking upon himself the, the just punishment of sin. That's disarming justice. Derrotó el mal, absorbiendo la pena justa del pecado. But why did he do it? He did it in our place. He did it For his enemies. Lo hizo por sus enemigos. The people far from him. That's you and me. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. Aun siendo pecadores, Cristo murió por nosotros. Los que eramos sus enemigos. We were his enemies, but he died in our place. You know what that is? That is surprising love. Es un amor sorprendente. It's like what we sang uh, uh, this morning. He's the lion. He's coming with disarming justice, but he's also the lamb. He has surprising love. And so the invitation we have here in Matthew chapter 5 is for us to actually begin to demonstrate the character of Jesus in our interaction with others. Nos llama a demostrar su to learn how to react and to act in situations that somehow can show the disarming justice and the surprising love of God. Queremos mostrar la justicia desarmadora y el amor sorprendente de Dios. So what does that look like? ¿Cómo se ve? Well, I want to turn to a scripture that I think can uh, uh, light our path. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 20. Romanos 12, 20. And here this passage says, don't take vengeance, don't pay back evil for evil. No paguen el mal por el mal, dice. And then it says, if your enemy is hungry feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Give him more good than the evil he gives you. Si tu enemigo tiene hambre, dale de comer. Si tiene sed, dale de beber. And then it says, if you do this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Actuando así, harás que se avergüence de su conducta. In other words, it seems this is saying, you're going to make him ashamed. You're going to make your enemy see that you are way better than he or she is van a estar avergonzados. In fact, that's behind what Jesus says about the Roman soldier going two miles. It's interesting about this. Roman soldiers were only supposed to take a person one mile. They had that authority. Los soldados romanos tenían autoridad de caminar con alguien un kilómetro. But if they went more than that, if their superior found out, they could get into trouble. And so if you go two miles, what you're doing is you're putting that soldier in a place where they might get in trouble, but you've not done evil, you've done good. And so it isn't about being a doormat. It's about bringing a disarming surprise. I want to give you another example from a, just in the last year. You may have noticed this in the news. There was a well-known trial, había un tribunal in Dallas, Texas. There was an off-duty police officer, a woman, who killed a young Caribbean man, uh, Botham Jean. Killed him in cold blood. Una policía mató un muchacho, Botham Jean. And at his murder trial, the brother of the victim, the brother of Botham Jean, Brant Jean, Testified at the sentencing. El hermano and La Sentencia testificó. And basically, what he said was this Losing my brother was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. It is, it is the most terrible thing. But I can forgive you, he said, because of Jesus Christ. I can forgive you and I can actually want the best for you. I can actually want good for you. I don't wish you harm, I wish you good. Dijo, uh, mi hermano ha ha muerto y es lo peor, pero yo te puedo perdonar porque Jesús me permite y hasta puedo desear lo mejor para ti. And then he surprised everyone by asking the judge if he might be able to embrace his brother's murderer. Después abrazó a la que mató a su hermano. You know what that is? That's surprising love, and it made headlines. It was controversial. Es un amor sorprendente. But don't take his kindness for weakness. After the trial, outside the courtroom, the mother of the victim, Alison Jean, also a believer, talked to the media. La mamá, Allison Jean, también se dirigió a los medios de comunicación and she called out some of the problems. She said there was corruption in this investigation from the start. And this kind of corruption must stop, not for our sake, but for your sake, Dallas. For the, for the good of the city, we're calling out corruption and we want it to stop. Esta corrupción, dijo la mamá, tiene que terminar, no para el bien de nosotros, sino para el bien de esta ciudad. You know what that is? That is disarming justice. Disarming justice, es una justicia desarmadora, and Jesus brings those things together so perfectly. So, where does that leave you and me? What does that mean for our lives? How do we live this out? how How can we make this flesh in our lives? Como encarnar esto? Well, I think we have to get to the point of recognizing it starts here. It, it's a heart issue. That's been our theme in this series. Es un asunto, una cuestión del corazón. And first, I think Jesus would say, we need to eliminate the category of enemy from our view of people. Hay que eliminar la categoría de enemigo mirando a las personas. The Bible is very clear. Our struggle, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. Nuestra lucha no está en contra de de carne y y, y sangre. It's against the principalities. It's against the powers. It's against the world, the flesh, the devil, Satan, sin, hell, death. That's the enemy. La batalla está en contra de Satanás. El, el, El enemigo es el infierno, el pecado, la muerte. People are made in the image of God. They're not the enemy. Las personas son hechas a imagen imagen de Dios. Now, people can work for the enemy. That is true. Trabajan por enemigos. Sí. But they're not the true enemy. So it starts there. But then from there, the question becomes how can I learn to react more like Jesus in situations? How can I react and show his character, his disarming justice, his surprising love? ¿Cómo puedo reaccionar con una justicia desarmadora, un amor sorprendente como Jesús? When someone cuts me off in traffic or cuts in line at the grocery store, what kind of response can I choose that would, would be disarming? Si alguien me corta en el tráfico, ¿cómo tener una respuesta más desarmadora? When my neighbor has a party till 2 a.m. and it's really loud, what kind of response can I choose that is different? Cuando el vecino tiene una fiesta a las dos de la madrugada. When a co-worker lies and makes a mistake and blames me for it. What's the response I can choose that's different, that's disarming? Si un colaborador de trabajo miente y me pone en problemas, ¿qué hago? It's evident here, and I I need to be personal, it's evident that this is going to take some work. This is perhaps one of the toughest ways in which we're called to be Christ-like. I don't have that much goodness in me. I don't have that much goodness in me. And that's why I need and you need all the help of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. That kind of goodness has to come from him. Yo no tengo tanto bien dentro de mí. Necesito la ayuda de Dios, el Padre, Hijo, Espíritu Santo. And so this week, I want to challenge and invite all of us. Be on the lookout for opportunities to respond in a different way to situations or to relationships that are difficult, to the challenges that surface que estemos vigilando, buscando oportunidades para responder de forma diferente a los desafíos y a las relaciones difíciles. God will help us. And Jesus calls it, us to do that because after all, it's the Christian thing to do. Es lo que hacemos los cristianos. Please pray with me, would you? Vamos a orar. Lord God, I confess that I am preaching to me right now because I feel like I am in the kindergarten of this school of learning how to respond in a Christ-like way, and I need your help. Necesito tu ayuda, Señor, para responder como tú. Jesus, you you model it so completely and perfectly. Lord, would you start by working in our hearts, work in our attitudes, give us the courage to see the people on the other side of the fence, whatever that fence might be, the political fence, the fence of our backyard, uh, the the fence at work, the fence on the street, help us to see that the other people on the other side are neighbors. Ayúdanos a ver que la gente al otro lado, al otro lado del espectro político o de, de nuestra casa o lo que sea, que son prójimos. And then, Lord Jesus, would you please work in our hearts to fill us with your love. We thank you that you have disarmed the principalities and powers. You have disarmed evil with the most incredible good of all, your death and your resurrection. desarmado el mal muerte a resurrección. And we're so thankful that in you we have all the power available to us. So, Lord, we open ourselves up. We humbly ask to change us that we can be children of our father in heaven and stand out for him que podamos ser hijos del padre celestial cámbienos para que podamos ser distintos en el mundo por él we thank you for you are the one jesus who has stopped all evil and it's in your name we pray and en nombre del señor jesus te lo pedimos amen